0: Welcome into The Harvest, a podcast dedicated to helping ordinary believers take the message and mission of Jesus out of the building and into the everyday places of life. Troy Cooper and his family are on a mission, a mission to see no place left that hasn't been reached by the gospel, starting with Los Angeles. I really enjoyed learning more about Troy's story on today's show and how the Lord has guided him over the years. He has some great things to share with us about getting the big picture for what God is doing on the earth today. And he also lays out a clear pathway for how you can get involved. Check out today's show and then let us know what you think. Visit our Facebook page and join the conversation in the comments under the post for this episode. Well, I'm excited today because I'm joined by Troy Cooper. Troy, you're somebody that I've followed from afar on social media, and we've got quite a few friends in common, so I've heard of you through the grapevine, but Really enjoyed watching you guys and the ministry that you're doing. You're right up the road now in Long Beach. When when I first mm-hmm. started connecting with you, I think you guys were still in Florida. But really appreciate you making time to join us today on the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks, brother. Yeah, we're uh, we're encouraged by you and your ministry. And uh, our close friend uh, Chuck Wood um, says that you're one of the best disciple makers he knows. And uh, so that that says a lot. Just appreciate you and your your family and the work that you guys are doing
0: well think I think very highly of Chuck and Deb as well and they um, he and I go back I'm trying to think now I think the first time I remember meeting Chuck was probably in the late 90s -hmm. I know our family was still at Fort Campbell Kentucky and he came in to give a a weekend uh, retreat set of messages but it's been amazing to see God use Chuck and Deb over the years and yeah. Um, yeah, definitely got to know you through through them really and their work with no place left. but how about uh, telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your family? Yeah maybe give us a, a thumbnail sketch of of your history up till today.
1: Okay, yeah love to. Um, so I was born in the Midwest in Indianapolis. And um, I grew up and went to Liberty University in Virginia, where I met my wife, Rachel. And uh, she was a missionary kid in Japan. And it was my last semester and her first semester. And um, I was planning to go to medical school. But right after I graduated from undergrad, I went on a short term mission trip with my wife. Well, she's my girlfriend at the time, but my wife to Japan. And, uh, really just fell in love with, uh, serving Jesus and, uh, being used in that way and I went back to grad school and was just, uh, haunted by, um, what I had got to experience in Japan that summer and, uh, ended up, um, notifying my parents and my advisor about a month before, uh, graduating that, um, I was not going to go into med school. I was, I was going to go into ministry. And so, um. So my wife got engaged to what she thought was a doctor, and ended up marrying a, a broke, <laughs> uh, sc- school debt loaded missionary. Um, and uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> we had a, a path from there. Um, you know, didn't didn't really have anybody walking with me. Um, and so that's kind of related to what we get to do now. Um, I know you guys love to equip and mobilize people, and we love we have a real passion for that. Um, I'm trying to be for others what. What I wish I had had when I was, you know, 21, 22 years old. Um, ended up teaching uh, for a few years, and then got hired as a, a youth pastor, um, and uh, did that for about uh, 12 years. And um, the reason we we didn't go overseas is there was a, a crisis in my in my wife's family, and uh, her mom and and three young siblings moved off the field, and so we, we devoted the next uh, 10 years to really just investing in them and um and so that kind of pushed pause on our, our plans to go overseas though we, we had our eyes set on it um so while i was a youth pastor um, for 10 of those 12 years i was mentored by a missionary that our church supported uh, a guy named steve parlato who got used to catalyze movements in uh, in asia and he just he began to pass on all these movement principles to me and really just I'd say he was the most consistent source of discipleship in my life for those 10 years and because we had had two different lead pastors and um and and so like he's just he's sowing uh these seeds from the word of god into my heart and um but in my mind I was thinking that'll be great one day when we go overseas you know like one day when we're there you know we'll get to we'll get to do that and um and then in 2011 I went on a missions trip uh, with some folks from our our, uh, our church in Indianapolis, and um, I saw like the fruit of movement. I saw among these villages um, new life, new believers, um, people transformed, families transformed, villages transformed, and the leaders were the locals. You know, these like in my you know from what I was seeing, like these untrained local leaders were, were thriving and they were have they were reaching other villages and, and they had vision. Like I got to meet with this network of, of local believers that had vision for their nation. And I was just like, what is happening? Like it, it, it Mm -hmm. blew my mind and it was like, I'm seeing what I read about in Acts. And, um, and honestly, Andrew, it brought me to a point of repentance, um, because I was deeply convicted that, I was not making disciples. I was disobeying Jesus's great commission. And I was, you know, uh, uh serving in a, a ministry position and investing in pre-existing believers and getting a lot of pats on the back for that, but as I looked back on our 12 years of of church ministry, there was almost zero impact on lostness. And um so I broke. I mean, it was like a crisis point for me, honestly. And um And the Lord just, you know, I just said, I'm so sorry. And he just, he just said, you know, uh, you're forgiven now let's, let's go do what you know to do. And, um, so I went back to Indianapolis and began, uh, you know, just, and, and Steve had exposed me to a lot of different like trainings. I thought it was all the same. Um, and, uh, but the, the, the last one, um, uh, was stuff from China. And so I just started, um, kind of develop my own little, like tool, which is like a hybrid of a bunch of different things. And, um, just, just began to, uh, share the gospel with lost people, invite them to study the Bible. And, uh, and I started training others to do the same. We didn't know any better and, um, started training students from church and youth leaders from church and parents from church. And, and we, um, we were able to start a, a Bible study in our neighborhood with some, with some neighbors who were far from God. And we saw the kingdom expand like right before our eyes. We saw students lead other students to Christ. We saw like a few streams of fourth generation, new disciples in one high school through like a track team. Um, we saw uh, a mom uh, reach uh, her family and neighbors and, and it just it like spread to the fire department. And, um, and we saw uh, two families in our, na- in our neighborhood give their lives to Christ, have marriages reconciled, um, and, and just have an impact even in our neighborhood. So we're seeing all these, I mean, God was doing this, but he kind of like unleashed it all at one time. And it just confirmed in us, like, this is what God has called us to. So I, I went from like, this is something I do to like, this is, this is who we are. Like we're ambassadors, you know, we're new creations and, um, and it was it was just beautiful and to to see others um begin to step into that great commission of obedience especially like i felt responsible for the people that we were leading that that weren't that they were discovering like oh wow like like this has been waiting here this whole time so from that point on it was like this is what god called us to like back when um you know we were thinking of moving overseas to japan like it didn't matter where it was it was it was the work, you know, of, of making disciples. And, um, so (laughs) we were, we were, uh, you know, just like loving it. And then, um, but the, the church that we were serving in and, and, um, it was not their vision. And so we ended up transitioning, um, out of that role and out of that church and out of that city. Uh, and God moved us over to Japan Um, where we ended up serving a a Japanese church and um, connected with a a brother named David Cervenka that's um, serving in Tokyo right now. But um, yeah, that was a very painful transition um, because for us, it was like, man, we're leaving like all of our friendships, our like like, stability, like financially. I'm like, I got five kids, like, is this irresponsible? And, um, but we were blown away by like just, what God had on the other side of obedience as far as like the work and as far as, um, friendships and relationships and even mentorship and leadership, like getting to meet Chuck and Jeff and others that have really poured into our lives. Like they were, they were just waiting. Um, so we went over to Japan and for a year and, um, I think the Lord really used that season, um, for a few things. One, it it really, um, uh transitioned our ministry from where it was just i was the pastor and my wife and kids were kind of at home and um to where we we were doing this as a family now um and rachel was was my interpreter so like we had to work together i mean not that i didn't want to work with her but but it just like i we just fell in love with doing ministry together and um and our kids like were were very much a part of the work there and um so I think the Lord kind of gave us that new conviction, like that this is a family thing. Um, the other thing in that season in Japan was um, just really brought me to a place of brokenness, um, where I had some, um, you know, I think in any transition there's there's a uh, uh, there's an opportunity for um, like unforgiveness and hurt, and and I was harboring some unforgiveness in my heart based on our previous transition. And the, my wife was just like, you, you got to get this figured out, man. And, um, yeah. this is not working. Like, um, as far as like, I just was, I was just dwelling on what I felt like was unjust. And, um, and, uh, I had a, a guy who discipled me, send me some sermons on forgiveness. And, uh, it was just life-changing, like, um, just getting to let go of, of some bitterness that I had. And I think I was wanting justice and the guy in the sermon basically said, whatever justice you're looking for, like, like it happened at the cross. Like you just gotta, just gotta lay it before Jesus. And, and, um, you know, that was just so freeing to not have forgiveness be based on somebody else's, you know, behavior or response. Like, and, um, so I feel like it was really like a, like a wilderness type experience where God was just preparing us for, for what was next. And, um, um, and the other thing, I mean, we, we had to, uh, we, we, I had to, to not just do this myself, but I had to be able to train others because it was the Japanese reaching the Japanese and, and we saw right. some exciting fruit. We saw some, some disciples multiply and, um, we learned a lot about just simplifying and, and really pulling, making sure it's from the word of God. Um, cause that translates, um, to other cultures and, um, and then the Lord, <laughs> He really gave me a a deep uh, conviction. I was kind of surprised because I'd spent the whole like I don't know like twelve to fifteen years saying, "Yeah, we're going overseas," and then we get there, and and the Lord really gave me a heart and a vision to go back to America, and I was really surprised by that, um, honestly.
0: Now, and, now, how um, did that come about? What were what were some of the details of of God leading you guys in that direction?
1: Yeah, I think um, he he gave us like a clear picture of uh, calling us to pray through the four corners of the U S where most of the lostness was, was concentrated from what I, what I could see. And, um, I think the other part was just, just seeing my kids be involved. Like, you know, like I was out on a prayer walk with, with my uh, five-year-old and my, my, my wife was like, Hey, take him. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like I'm not a babysitter, you know, like real prideful. And she's like, no, just take him with you. And, um, you know, so I'm out prayer walking, and, and Isaiah, like, instead of like repeating my prayers, he prays this like really bold prayer, like, um, you know, God tear down these idols, you know. And I was just like, whoa, where where is this coming from? And um, and my wife said, well, he's going to school with like these people, like he he's he's more in, in like in this culture than we are, and so I think that was a part of it too, like wanting to steward them, like that they had a a a, a, a passion to make disciples, and so. Um, I think, um, we just felt like the Lord wanted us to, to, uh, and as we were praying and, and as our kids were praying along with us that like, cause we loved our time in Japan. It wasn't that it was just, there was a sense of calling that drew yeah. us back to the States. And, um, so we, we prayed through those, those four corners of the U S and, um, you know, we specifically said, Lord, show us where to go. Um, give us, uh, you know, give us a, a, a place to receive us. Um. And, uh, and then I, I, really desperately wanted like to be part of a tribe. Like I wanted, and I wanted a team leader so bad. And, um, so, cause my mentor was overseas and I really wanted somebody that was doing this in the United States. And, um, cause at that time it was like, I didn't, I didn't know you, like, I didn't know anybody that was doing this. I thought we were some of the only ones. And, <laughs> right. Um, but, but right before like things went down, um, with, you know, before I was transitioned out, I got to go to a, a conference in Chicago that Steve Smith and Yinkai were at, and, uh, and Jeff Sundell was there. And uh, the guy who was mentoring me said, "Hey, man, if you ever get run into a guy named Jeff Sundell, you need to you need to find him because he's doing this in Butcher Haller, North Carolina." And I think he had read the Missions Frontiers <laughs> article, and so so I'm I'm like it's a miracle that I'm even at this like conference and, um, in, at Wheaton Bible church. And, uh, I had a relative who, you know, um, like their uncle was, was on staff and he had heard what I was doing. And so he invited me up there. And, um, so the Lord just allowed me to go up there and I connected with Jeff. And, um, so I got to spend a little bit of time with Jeff. Um, cause I, I met him like, Hey man, I'm doing this. He's like, Hey, you should come out sometime. And I'm thinking what, like you're Jeff, like, no way. And, <laughs> um, and so I got to go with him and a, and a guy named uh, Gary, who was, uh, a pastor that had implemented, um, the training there locally and planted a church. Uh, and we went and spent like a few, um, a week with Jeff and, uh, and Booger Holler, and we met Ray Vaughan, and, um, and it was like, we just, it was really encouraging to meet somebody else in the U S that was doing this and So fast forward, you know, a year later, we're, we're in Japan praying about coming home and, and, um, and Jeff reaches out to me and says, Hey, we got a vision for 50 cities in the U S. Are you interested? And I'm like, yeah, like, are you kidding me? And so (laughs) that I I like basically, you know, attach myself to Jeff and I was like, Hey, can I, can I call you my team leader? He's like, it's like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, uh, I kind of need a little bit more than whatever. Like, can I like, <laughs> you know, hindsight, I understand why it's like, he's going to wait and see what I did. But, um, you know, for me, it was like, I I'm, I'm following him. And, um, so, um, and we moved, ended up, uh, got invited by a church down in Florida. Um, my, my buddy, David Cervanca, uh, in Japan, he just, he begged me. He's like, Hey man, like you, you need to go from from church based ministry to missions, like you're, you're a catalyst. And, um, I was really nervous about raising support. That was like a big jump for us, but, um, we ended up feeling like that's what God wants us to do. So we, we raised support and, um, we got invited by a church down in Florida to go and, uh, went down there and, um, my nephew was down there. Um, he was in high school, but he was making disciples. And, uh, so we went down there and, and just, just started, uh, engage in lostness and training believers and got connected with some churches and about a year into it, like had vision to form a team. And, and we started connecting through Jeff with these other guys in the U S like, like Jim McKnight and Chuck Wood and Ray Vaughn and David Kaufman and Carter Cox and Fred Campbell and some other people that I'm probably forgetting to name right now that were just, that were doing this in different parts of the U S. And so they, they were like brothers to me, like, like, okay, like we're, we're doing this in different cities, but like, we're, you know, we're doing the same things. And so we would, we would, we were lonely in our local work, but we would, we would start connecting over zoom or Skype and, and um, you know, just, just try to encourage one another and and learn from one another. And we'd go to trainings with Jeff. And um, I think it was shortly after that, that we, we started um, we heard Jeff say no place left. And we just kind of, we were at a training in Austin and he's like, no place left, no place left. And we were like, that's, that that's it. That's what we're going to call this. And they mm-hmm. they'd been calling it that in Asia. We didn't know that, you know? And so we were, you know, there was like T for T and four fields. And we were like, we love no place left. And so a brother in Nashville like created a logo and next thing you know, like we're, we're hashtagging it like crazy. And,
0: um, so you know, yeah, we're, we're what, no place left. About what, uh, what year are we talking about here? You know, that's a good question. I think it was probably 20, I think
1: it was the summer of 2014.
0: 2014. Okay. So yeah. just to give a little bit of context, something you said uh, just a, a, a few minutes back, the difference, how would you articulate the difference between church-based ministry and missions? Like your state side, but maybe, yeah. maybe ex, ex, explain that a little bit more for our listeners.
1: Yeah. Well, as I knew it, um, my church-based ministry, we had believers that I was focused on shepherding and discipling. And um, and what I felt like God was calling me to was to a life of making disciples among uh, by reaching lost people with the gospel. And but in addition to that, equipping others, um, the equipping side is actually more to it than I thought it would be. Um, And so there was then a freedom to be able to serve not just one church, but but multiple churches and organizations. And, uh, I didn't have that vision for myself at the time, but, but David did. And, um, that's the vision he cast. He's like, you need to be free to do this and, uh, p- to equip others. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a special existing church that, um, can have somebody like a catalytic type of person on staff. Um, and, um, and there's a number of reasons why that is. And, and I've seen some of them do it well. Um, it just um, it it, I hadn't seen it personally. Um so that now the church in Florida that brought us down, like it was a really good arrangement. Like they said, hey, raise your support through us. And so we ran our donations through that church. And they said, We'll we'll treat you like a staff member, like as far as the government goes, but you guys just run. And um Mm -hmm. and so I think that's the closest thing I've seen to where um you know they gave us a lot of freedom to just to to chase after they said wherever this goes, whether it's Florida or overseas or wherever. And, and, um, and they loved us and received us. And, um, uh, we've experienced the same thing here in South and Southern California. Like there's a, a church in Long Beach that has loved us and received us. And, um, you know, we're with E3 partners now, so our support goes through them, but, but, um, this, this church, uh, Bridges Church, um, they, they've done that with us. And even though we, we've started a church, you know, with other church planners and that meets in our home, but this, uh, Bridges Church has got a massive vision, um, and and they've they've treated us as one of their own. So
0: yeah, I think that's really special, and I think it's um, it's something that the church as a whole here, certainly in the West, I think it is moving more and more in this direction. But it needs to, and that is that we're not trying to to fit the mission under the roof of one particular church. In a city yeah. or in a location that yeah. even though we may be especially connected within a certain body of believers in a in a location, we want the ministry focus to be outward. So we, we talk about being in the harvest as a distinction, yeah. Um, yeah. but we also want to not only have the freedom, but have the value of collaborating with other kingdom partners, other churches. That's good. Other groups who have a shared mission, and maybe it sounds to me, I'm, I'm sort of—that's what I'm hearing as you describe the difference between maybe a church-based focus and a missions focus. You know, they both involve the church, mm-hmm. but um, one just has a more expansive view. I think of how the mission is going to be ac- accomplished, and that's the the mission focus where we have the freedom to to partner, and even I would say the responsibility to uh, to seek out partnerships. That's a good so, word. That's a good word. Now, you guys have been in Long Beach just for about a year now, right? That's or maybe correct. a little bit more.
1: That's correct. Now, just over a year now.
0: now tell yeah. me a little bit about uh, was that was that a a a next step in this fifty city vision? How did that mm-hmm. come about?
1: Yeah. So you know, we spent five years in South Florida, and um, man, we we got to meet some amazing people and serve with, um, just some amazing friends in Florida. And then the Lord began to expand, um, as the work in Florida grew, um, and leaders stepped up, um, Jeff asked me to start, uh, training some other in some other cities. And so we started training in some other cities across the U S and, um, kind of served in more of like a catalytic role, learning how to do this, not just locally, but how do we help catalyze things in other cities and um, learn some new skills and fail a lot and um, but in the midst of that we were asked by a church in uh, Los Angeles area in Pasadena to come out and cast vision to some pastors because they had heard w- that we had a reputation of working with some existing churches so my 12 year old daughter Maya who's who's dri- who's getting her driver's license today lord. lord <laughs> Um, she's 16 now, but my 12 year old daughter, Maya and I went and, um, we got to cast vision and she shared some stories from the harvest, uh, of, of making disciples, uh, in her school. And, um, and it, it had, a, it had an impact, um, big impact. Hmm. And, um, but as we're there, she just said, dad, this is lost to Angeles. Like we need to move here. And I was just like, there's no way, like I do, I do not want to move to LA. I don't, the traffic is a nightmare and, and it's expensive. And I just, you know, it was not something that I was like, yeah, that's where God's leading us. And, and I felt like the work that we had in Florida was just like getting some momentum. And, but we just, we committed to pray and we said, all right, we'll, we'll start with, cause we looked west of the Rockies and, and God's doing plenty of things out here, but it was like, as far as our network goes, there wasn't much and, um, no place left wise. And so we just said any request for training from the West will, will elevate. And we started to come out and do some trainings and, um, and the Lord began to confirm like, yeah, you're supposed to come here. And, um, mm. so it was, it was not some plan that we were rolling out. It was, um, you know, just some praying and fasting and, um, God just confirming and, um, you know, and as we've gotten out here, the people that we've been able to meet and serve, it's, it just confirms like, yeah, we were definitely supposed to be here. And, um, so, yeah, so we, it was a, uh, about a two year process, um, you know, for us once, once, uh, we, we begin to sense from the Lord we're supposed to go. And, um, yeah, so now we've, we've been here for just over a year and, um, there's, we're, we're, I got to actually, um, this time we had, two other families that specifically moved out to join us as a, as a team. That was some advice from Steve Smith and, and from Chuck. Yeah, that's good. It was, it was go as a team. And, um, and uh, so, you know, the Priados from Gainesville and the Puckets from, from North Carolina, we had done quite a bit of training together and um, just really felt a, a, a uh, an independent, but unified call to come out here together. Yeah. And um, so, and, and to have this, um, you know, Church uh, Bridges Church that was out here to to really receive us. Um, they're pursuing no place left here in Long Beach. Um, was was just huge for our family. And
0: um, yeah, so I'm I'm curious to know coming out to uh, Los Angeles this past year, you've got your teammates coming with you. What are some of the other lessons that that you're bringing into this new chapter that mm. that maybe you didn't understand as clearly? in, in previous assignments or previous locations. How's yeah. it look for you guys over this first year? How have you gotten started and what are some of the challenges that you faced?
1: Yeah, I think when we moved to Florida, we, we thought, you know, we need to go and do this ourselves. And I think we had a low view or vision of the people that were there. And, um, and then we learned pretty quickly, like, uh, I don't know, just, I think I just didn't feel like Christians were really going to do this. I felt like everything was going to be out of the harvest. And I was surprised by how many believers were hungry for training. And so getting to, 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 you know, kind of equip believers for a number of years, like I've come out here where we are, the vision is that the laborers are here and, um, and we get to, and there's a lot that's already happening. So coming in and posturing ourselves to learn, uh, from what's already happening and to really just serve as best we can. Um, I think has been a a different posture. Um, I think the other thing when we came out here, we um, in in Florida, we didn't have a clear like uh, plan for, for training and um, you know, just clarity on how to equip believers and, and to, you know, to form teams and, and to, to start churches and to, to, to form coalitions and coach leaders. And we hadn't had that experience. And so I think coming out here, we've, we've been able to, to serve more uh, people in a more effective way just because we've had a little bit of experience doing that. And, um, I think another massive thing is just it's coming out with a team, um, versus just, just us, um, has been a huge game changer
0: for us. Uh, how I, has I, that, I, uh, helped you guys?
1: Uh, a, a couple of things. One, I think just for us personally, like, um, it's just, it, they're like family. And so to have that, uh, already, uh, established, um, has been really life giving for us, but I don't know. I, I I've I've seen in, in the Western United States like um, that our relationship, like our friendship, on display is um, is a way of engaging people. Um, like we're at a coffee shop, or we're, um, you know, we're we're at a restaurant, or we're at the beach together. Like um, we the way, people see how we're interacting with each other, and then as we interact with people. Um, I don't know. I just feel like our relationships on display are endearing and, uh, and people are curious. And as we engage them in conversation, um, um, I don't know. They just, it it seems like our friendship, uh, on display is attractive to people. And, um, like our neighbors have said that like, golly, you've got all these different people that are coming over and they get to interact with our friends. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I I feel like that's been actually a, a part of our entry strategy that was kind of accidental and not on purpose, um, is just to, to, you know, to love one another in front of others. I mean, even as we've been able to engage neighbors with the gospel, like that's been a factor for them. They're just like, you know, who are you guys? You got these people that you're close (laughs) to and I see how you react with one another and something happens and you guys, you know, drop what you're doing and come and help. And, and um, so like, it means a lot. It's one thing for strangers to see it, but for your neighbors to see it, you know, like, like we've had a number of of gospel opportunities as a result of that.
0: So I want you to think about the typical Christian in America today. This is someone mm-hmm. who is sincere. So not just someone who's a churchgoer, but a genuine person of faith who mm-hmm. believes in Jesus, wants to live a life that pleases him. Um, but may not really have a lot of clarity beyond that. Mm. What would you say to that type of person about the kind of life that you've discovered Mm. that, um, that you would want to invite them to be a part of? Yeah, man, that's such a
1: great question. We were, we were just in Australia, um, doing some four fields intensive trainings there. And, um, we were in a city just outside of Melbourne and, Um, we had a, a a brother Curtis Hartshorn from Canada share his testimony of what God was doing through them in Toronto area. And, um, and the most common response we got from the room was, I have been waiting for this my entire life. Like it was this, it was like this unified, like, like, uh, outpouring from, from the people sitting there. Like we have been wait, like we've heard about it, but now we're hearing directly from you and my immediate response was this has been on the pages of scripture your entire life like this has been waiting for you and um it's right there and and so I I don't know I guess the invitation is like man this is this is what God has called us to do but it's it's not new like it's it's right there in the word of God. Like if you um I think one of the things Curtis said was he wanted to begin to align his life with what he saw in the new testament and um yeah. so he, he began to list off here's the things i'm doing and here's what i see in the new testament i want my life to become more like what i see in the gospels and acts and so hmm. i think from just a, a a big picture standpoint that's what i i invite people into is what you see on the pages of scripture is is what god has for you today and um you know you see the the, the, the power of the holy spirit um you see the power of the gospel you see the power of this of this community uh, of believers that is that is released uh, into uh, to do the work that God has called them to do. Um, they're loving one another, they're serving one another, but they are they are clearly on mission um, to right. engage the community around them, and um, you know they're going where God leads them. So, um, one of the things that's helpful if if you're if you are wanting to get started is, uh, and I know. Andrew, on your website, are some really helpful resources, but is to to get some get some simple tools that will help you get started. Um, I think a hundred percent of the people we've talked to like that's been really helpful for them. Is uh, yeah. okay, I want to do this. How do we get started? And and those those simple tools and and some uh, you know some some training or coaching is really helpful in taking those next steps.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, for for me, I know the Lord really blessed my life in that He. Allowed me to come across a vision for for this kind of life of devotion at a young age. I was 20 years old, and the way it happened for me is uh, the pastor of the small church that I was part of at that time gave me a small booklet called "Born to Reproduce," and it was a little strange at first because I was a single guy, 20 years old, mm-hmm. and I've got this. He didn't really explain what the booklet was about. So in my mind, uh, I just thought, well, I guess I'm supposed to have kids. I don't know if you're familiar with that particular booklet, but it's actually mm. the transcript of a message that was given back in the 1950s. But it really paralleled the, the growth of God's family, believers, with the way that earthly families grow, that there, there needs to be birth, there needs to be maturation, there needs to be reproduction. Mm-hmm. and that what what Jesus calls us to is is the new birth first of all we we come to faith and then he calls us to mature in that faith and then he calls us to pass that faith on to the next generation so this idea of generational ministry and how that actually connects with making disciples and mm-hmm. and then the lord paired me up with a mentor who was actually living you know that kind of life and the older i get the more I realize how rare that is to hmm. to come across such a clear vision and then have the opportunity to be discipled. And so, like you, I I, I really want to pay it forward. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned that you want to be the the kind of leader and discipler, mentor that you may maybe you did not have in your twenties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like the Lord gave me an amazing mentor, and I have this obligation to. To pay it forward to the next generation mm. but there's a verse in mark in mark 7 verse 8 that says neglecting the commandment of god you hold to the tradition of men mm. and one of the things that actually blinds us from this this vision that we see in the scriptures are the traditions that we just grow up around there's there's yeah. already a system in place and especially in a place like the west we have a very mm. We already have a very defined notion of what church is, um, how we're supposed to live our, our lives. And sometimes that does not, oftentimes that does not sync with what you see, like you said, in the Gospels, Acts and the New no. Testament. You mentioned uh, four fields, which is something I've heard from some friends of mine who are in No Place Left before. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the tools that you try to use to begin to help people Realign their their paradigm, or or what would you use to yeah. uh, to share that with our listeners today?
1: Yeah, I'd say the the basic like framework of our trainings is we want to make sure people have clarity on what's what's the big vision God's called them to, what's the clear path or strategy that they're going to use to execute it, and then what are some simple tools that they can use to get started. And so, oh. as far as big vision goes, um, I mean the the Great Commission is 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 personal, right? Um, and, uh, just Jesus's command to, for us to go and make disciples and to baptize and to teach him, uh, to obey what he's commanded and a reminder that he's with us. Um, and we also love to show them from Genesis. I noticed one of your tools goes from Genesis to Revelation, which is so valuable. Um, uh, we do a, a discovery from Genesis to Revelation of seeing, um, uh, basically God's mission. Is to, right. is to to magnify his glory by multiplying his image across the face of the earth. And so we help people see like, okay, mm-hmm. there's a global historic vision that is accomplished that we see in, in the book of revelation that every tribe, tongue and nation will be represented. And uh, so it, it hap It happens. Um, but then um, what, you know, what, what's your slice essentially, you know, like what, right. uh, what are the brutal facts of, of the area that you live in of lostness and then what you know, starting with your oikos, who, who are you going to go after? And, um, and then as far as like, and Break, uh,
0: br- go break ahead. down that, that word oikos, what, um, yeah. some of our listeners probably aren't familiar with that.
1: Yeah. It ju- it's the Greek word for household. So just like, who are people in your life that you know of your friends, where you live, work and play, um, people that, uh, you know, primary relationships, but also maybe some secondary relationships who are neighbors that, That maybe you don't know, but they live in proximity or, or people from school that, that you, you don't know, but, but you guys are both, you know, in the same school, like, so it may be starting with those primary relationships, but maybe working out to those secondary relationships, um, and seeing that as your, as your mission field. And, um, and then,
0: yeah, we, we talk about that as your corner of the harvest that you're already, (laughs) you're already in the harvest, whether you realize it or not. That's good, but it's just recognizing hey this is where the Lord has already placed me I'm the best positioned person within this web of relationships to be God's representative you may not mm. feel like you're especially ready to represent God yeah. but you're already there and there's there's no one better positioned to to reach this particular group of people than you so that, that's good I like that the the idea of this oikos Taking time yeah. to define that, so so then the next step.
1: Yeah, the clear path. We just challenge them. Like, do you, do you already have a clear a clear path, a strategy that you're rolling out? And if you don't, then we challenge them from from the Bible, like looking at the pattern Jesus modeled in the Gospels, and then looking at Acts. You know, we ask six questions. One, what do you have a clear uh, plan for abiding and relying on the Holy Spirit's power in your life? And then secondly, do you have a way of engaging people like, you know, how you're gonna you're thinking of who are the people in your life far from God? Now, what are you going to do to step out and engage them? Um, including praying for them. And then the third question is, how are you going to share the gospel? Do you, do you have a, a clear way to, to share the, to share the gospel? Um, and then uh, the fourth one is if they say yes to Jesus, do you know what to do next as far as how to begin to disciple them and teach them from the scriptures how to how to begin obeying Jesus? You know, and in our case, we'd say starting with baptism. Um, and then as as you're discipling them, do you, do you have a, a means by which these disciples uh, would form into a healthy church? You know, do you know how to help gather believers together to form into a healthy church? And then the uh, the last question is, as you begin to see leaders emerge, do you have a plan for how you're going to you know, coach and mentor leaders into health so we can see this whole thing reproduce? So those are the main six questions that I would summarize. I mean, there's a diagram that kind of illustrates those um, using farming, but that's the four fields asking those six questions.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's great. I do think that's where a lot of us struggle is that pathway. So mm-hmm. those six questions that you're asking help people uh, identify what this pathway would look like to mm-hmm. to move forward and to get involved yeah. um, in this work, in this, in this mission that the Lord has given us. Yeah. So maybe just run through those one more time and we, we might be able to link. I don't know if this is a resource, like you said. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could link it in the show notes if you've yeah. got, uh, we've
1: got some training videos that, to that illustrate some of those things, but yeah. So the first one is, um, I'll, I'll share them with you and then I'll just kind of illustrate it with a story if that's helpful.
0: Um, that'd be great.
1: Is, uh, you know, uh, are you, are you abiding, how are you abiding in Jesus and relying on the Holy Spirit's power in your life? Um, how are you, uh, engaging, uh, the people in your life that are far from God? how are you sharing the gospel? Um, how are you discipling a new believer to obey Jesus's commands? Um, how are you gathering these believers together, uh, into a healthy church? And then lastly, how are you, um, identifying equipping leaders to lead? So you can see this whole thing reproduce. Um, my, uh, my daughter, Maya, um, this is while we were still in Florida. She was really, um, uh, you know, getting to train and equip others in other places and see God do some amazing things. Uh, but she was like, I'm not seeing him work in my school yet. She's like, I'm praying, I'm sharing the gospel. It's just not, mm. it's not happening. Am I doing this wrong." And it was like, oh my, this is, this is not a work of you. This is a work of God. Like you really have to seek him on this. And so she began to really uh, pray and the, the movie war room came out, you know, and so she like made her prayer yeah. wall and, and, um, And then God gave her a dream uh, of her friends perishing, like a very intense spiritual dream of her friends perishing. And so she just begged, she just intensified her, like just really begging the Holy Spirit to to work in her school. And one morning in her quiet time, the Lord showed her like someone's coming to faith today. And so she went in with that confidence from him. And so it started with Mm -hmm. that abiding. And, uh, and, and just really relying on the Holy Spirit's power and asking him. And he began to answer. And so she, um, she had been praying, uh, through her, you know, her Oikos map as the tool. Um, and, um, and she's sitting next to this girl in math class who, who, who was pretty dark and, uh, the Holy Spirit just prompted her like, you need to share with her. So she, she turned to this girl, Evelyn, and she said, Hey, Evelyn, has anybody shared the gospel with you before? That was her, her entry question. And their girl said, no. And so she began to share the gospel using a tool called the three circles. And, um, you know, just illustrating, hey, our world is in brokenness, but um, that's not God's design. And Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the dead. And if we will uh, turn from our sin and believe in him and make him our king, that we can be forgiven and restored. And she said, yeah, I'm in brokenness. I want to follow Jesus. And this girl had a reputation of being very immoral in some deeply immoral relationships um just, just were outside of god's design and uh and 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 was um was wanting to end her life and she gave her life to jesus and and then maya knew exactly what to do next um she took her to second this is how happening in math class she took her to second corinthians 5 <laughs> and she showed her from the scriptures look if you're in christ you're a brand new creation so no matter what you've done or has been done to you you're new and you're his ambassador. And so she said, now, who in your life needs to hear this? And uh, she's like, yeah, my mom, my friends. She's like, okay, cool. And uh, she's like, let's let's set a time for when you and I are going to get together and continue learning from the scriptures about this new identity and how you're going to, you know, your new life in Jesus. So they began to, so I think two days later, so she set the appointment two days later, they go to Barnes and Noble and they begin uh, going through the commands of Christ together. Just a simple discipleship tool that we use. And, um, mm. my wife goes with her and my wife quickly realizes like, uh oh, Maya's got this. And so Maya and Evelyn <laughs> meet. And, um, and a few weeks later, um, Evelyn says she wants to get baptized. So Maya baptizes her and they continue in discipleship. Um, she takes her out in the harvest and begins to, So, uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. So, okay.
0: Yeah, I think we did lose the connection there briefly, but you were saying that Maya and Evelyn, Evelyn wanted to be baptized, and yeah, so um,
1: so then Maya took Evelyn. um, She's grown and cry. She's reading, um, she's reading two to four chapters from the Bible every day, and I think she started in Genesis. um, And uh, she's learning how to pray, and you know, so it's not just like once a week they're they're seeing each other, like they're meeting once a week for discipleship, but she's like in her life. You know, like they're they're with each other regularly, and um, and Maya takes her out in the harvest to kind of like help build some boldness. So they went out and did a Luke ten search uh, in some neighborhoods and and just offering to pray for people and share the gospel. It it gave it gave her new disciples some boldness. And then this girl goes to her friends who were also engaged in 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 immoral relationships outside of God's design, and uh, she was pleading with them. She said, "Guys, sin leads to death." You know, and God made man for a woman. It's right there in the book of Genesis. And she's like, That's why all of us want to kill ourselves is is because we're in mm. sin. And so she's pleading with her friends to leave their immoral lifestyle and follow Jesus, just like she had done just a few weeks before. And two of them did. Mm. And mm. and so she knew what to do now. Like, okay, they said yes, now I'm gonna take them through this, you know, show them their identity and use this 401 tool and begin to go through the commands and and uh, so Maya got to, you know, she relied on the Holy Spirit. She had a means of engaging her, you know, with by praying and then just having that simple question. She knew how to share the gospel. She knew how to transition to discipleship with the 411. She knew how to uh, begin to uh, disciple her with the commands of Christ. She, uh, she actually, they, they did form a church together. And so um, they, they looked at what the, um, the functions of church were from Acts 2, and she began to pass on to her and empower her to go and, and lead and make disciples herself. And now she and others here, this is uh gosh, three years later, she and um, her friends are still following Jesus and they're still making disciples. And the the other cool part of the story was her mother was watching like Evelyn's mom, Lindsay was watching um, her daughter. And, uh, and my wife was like, you know, she tried to share the gospel. She's like, eh, I'm not interested, but, she said hey my my little girl was dark i i see like she has life now so whatever this is like i want her to be a part of it <laughs> and so rachel instead of you know she shared the gospel but then she's like well i'm not going to give up on this lady and uh, so she just through through parenting conversations and through marriage conversations she began to work the gospel in and and share from the bible and um about i think it was probably 4 or 5 months later uh, lindsay gave her life to jesus and my wife got to baptize her <laughs> And, um, she was, she had not been able to have kids for 12 years. God opened her womb. She had a little baby boy. And my wife was in the delivery room, you know, just to show how like, how <laughs> wow. like life on life this discipleship is, you know, like, um, and, uh, she's, she's, she and her family are following Jesus now. So it all started with the Holy Spirit's, you know, conviction and, uh, and then, you know, Maya knew what to do in the, in the kingdom of God just, you know, advanced. And, um, so that kind of helps illustrate yeah. like, you know, kind of that clear path, but then also making sure you got simple tools in each of those, each of those uh, areas for us, you know, we found that
0: to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's uh that's a great way to illustrate those, those six questions, those, those six mm-hmm. steps along the pathway of getting a vision uh, for what the Lord wants to use your life, that he, he mm-hmm. has this, Second you know, Corinthians 5, like you talked about, mm-hmm. uh, it talks about that Jesus was sent into the earth with a ministry or a work mm-hmm. of, of reconciliation, of bringing people back into a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It goes on to say that he has passed on to us, he's He's given to us the same work that he wants us to work mm-hmm. side by side with him to to help others find their way back to God and restore that connection so I think that's um that's a beautiful illustration of in a very natural way seeing the gospel move through relationships. Mm-hmm. Um so I want to ask you a little bit about your parenting. One thing I've definitely admired this is not quite a complete switch of uh mm-hmm. of topics, but something I've definitely admired you guys have seven kids and it seems that they're all on board with what you're doing. Is there any Counsel or advice that you would give to parents about how to pass on not just the faith, but this way of life of being in the harvest. What What are some things that you guys have done well? (laughs) Well, There's plenty of things that we've done
1: not well. (laughs) I'm sorry, it went out just. We don't want to.
0: We don't want to copy those. it,
1: it, it, It went out just a little bit. Could you state the state the question again?
0: Sure. I mean, one thing I admire about you and Rachel and the way you've Mm -hmm. raised your kids is that your kids seem to have this genuine love for the Lord and a desire to be involved in this work. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that that you guys have done as parents that you think God has blessed that you might be able to share with our listeners today? Mm. Man.
1: Um, Well, I think um, a lot of repentance Uh, honestly, and like doing that in front of our kids, um, I think just being open about our, our weaknesses and and seeing them getting to witness God's grace in our lives. Um, we apologize a lot, um, is, is, is one area. Um, we really focus on our marriage and, and prioritize our marriage. Like our kids wake up and they see us, uh, in our Bibles, um, and, uh, they, they see us together before they go to bed. Um, and, uh, so we're, we're a united front. Um, I think just that the, we can kind of minimize the day-to-day disciplines, but, um, I think they're really valuable of, you know, us, yeah. us being in the word together. Um, and, uh, our kids, you know, we, we make, we can't force them to have a quiet time, especially as they get older, but, but we try to make space for that and, and at least like help them cultivate that discipline. And, um, And, and, you know, they, they have that, they have that discipline of, of spending time with, with him every morning. And, um, we try to, as often as we can around, around, try to be consistent with meals together and interacting, um, with, you know, what did you learn? Um, you know, just asking that simple question. What'd you get out of the word today? Um, is, uh, um, it implies that they were in the word, but then we get to, to listen and hear how they're, they're applying it. Um. Uh, I think just including them, but not forcing them into, um, into the work, you know, like I think there's different seasons where they want to be more like, they want to go to trainings or, you know, like I just, I just took my four oldest with me to Australia to, to do uh, some trainings for three weeks. And, uh, it was a lot of work. I mean, it was hard. It was not a vacation by any means for them, but they, they said they wanted to go and, you know, we prayed about it. And so we got them ready to go. And, um, you know, so I think not. I think we've tried to not force them into things and, um, give them space to say no. Um, and, uh, and then to celebrate like crazy as, as we see them, um, you know, obey Jesus, you know, as they, um, you know, day to day conflicts that they deal with and, and, and seeing them, you know, have a humble heart and repenting of sin and, uh, as we're as, as, as excited about those things as we are then sharing the gospel and discipling people and baptizing people. Um, and uh, I think we've just, we've tried to model that. Rachel is, is very godly. She loves Jesus. She's um, like, I, I was telling you uh, earlier, like um, she's just, she's a very stabilizing force in our home and uh, with, with her love and the way she listens. And so I think that our kids feel, um, loved, they feel, uh, heard. Um, and, uh, I'd say Rachel is, does, I mean, I, I try, I strive to do that, but she definitely, as my wife does that, um, more than I do and is a a real stabilizing force. Um, but they also, man, they get to enjoy, I mean, it's a privilege to get to serve as missionary. So they get to, they get to enjoy that adventure. Um, when it comes to education, I know <clears throat> there's a lot of different opinions for us. It, it was a, it's a disciple. It's a, it's a kid to kid year to year discipleship decision for us. Mm. And um, we learned that from some, from other mentors and, and so far our kids have all been in public schools and um, you know, they, they're um, we, they're, they're continuing to, to grow in Christ and be strong. And um, you know, they're facing, they're getting a heavier dose of the culture than we are and um right um you know are are remaining steadfast in that and and are we're, we're honestly really watching and learning i I'd, I'd say that's been consistent like throughout this work for us is we're watching and learning from our kids on the simplicity mm-hmm. and the childlike faith of mm-hmm. of, of trying striving to reproduce um to others the way that we see them doing things and um yeah, we, we get a lot of insights from them so um,
0: that's really special, man.
1: We get to do ch- that, that's Yeah. It's a blessing.
0: And yeah. <laughs> I think doing church in our
1: home is, has been huge. Like, like they, that's what they know. And, um, right I mean, they, they do get to worship I mean, they're part of a local youth group just for community. Cause we don't have teenagers in our, in our church here. Um, but, but like for them, church, they, they lead worship, they lead Lord's supper. They know how to, they, they know how to lead a lesson. They, um, Uh, like it's, there's no part of church that they can't facilitate. And, and so they've been able to start churches themselves. And so I think they feel the freedom from the word of God, uh, and their identity, but also like, uh, like the soft skills of how do we do this? Like, I feel like they've been equipped to do it. And I think that's played a huge, a huge part for them is, um, just the experiential learning.
0: Right. Well, it's amazing. Like I said, this is <laughs> this is actually the first time we've had a chance to sit down and talk, but mm. some of those same lessons with parenting mm. have have played out in our life. When we first began to to really own being the church and and we have church in our home on a regular basis, one of our concerns was that well, will this will this actually affect our kids in a negative way because they're missing out on a more structured approach and our own experience was it did just the opposite that I think it allowed our kids to really own their faith at a new level that you know, wow. church just, it wasn't just some event that we went to, but mm. we were the church. And that means, of course, we're going to, we're going to do it in our home because that's where we are. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then like you said, being, just being transparent, being a real person around your kids, you know, we make mistakes as parents. Mm. And so to be able to say, i'm sorry that i should not have uh i should not have acted that way i should not have spoken that way i think to be real with your kids and then same same as you we do a year by year (laughs) case by case kid by kid assessment on what's the best option but most of most of our kids have spent most of their education in public schools Mm -hmm. and there's a real temptation i think as christian parents because you know, we want to protect our kids as much as possible. And that is absolutely part of our, our God-given role as parents. But the other side of that God-given role is to prepare our kids and to, to help them learn how to, to live out their faith Mm -hmm. in a culture and a society that is less and less inclined towards Christianity and the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's been It's also been amazing to see how God has used public school mm-hmm. to to really help our kids wrestle through well, why do we believe this? Mm. how could I how could I explain to my friends mm. um, why I'm choosing to live differently than than the majority of the kids in in school around me? so yeah. that's really neat, man. Um, well, I think we need to do this again at some point in the near future but we're, uh, we're coming up towards the close of our time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did want to give give people a chance to find out how can they connect with you and learn more about your your work with No Place Left. Yeah. Uh, where would be the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, um, thank you, brother. This has been really encouraging. I'm excited for further conversations with you. Um, just eager to learn from you, man. Um, yeah, our um, our family has a, a website. It's just coopersonamission.com. And, um, you know, there's our contact information and, and, uh, even some of the, the resources I mentioned are on there. And, um, I know we are working on a website for, for NPL, uh, California, but it's not there yet. Um, I did want to mention though, just in closing, cause I didn't get to, we didn't get to talk much about the work here. And I know a, a number of your listeners are, yeah. are here in the West coast. Um, man, I, I think like you, we're just blown away by what we're seeing God doing here. Um, And just the, um, you know, it is, it is, it is tough soil, but, but man, we're seeing breakthrough, um, where among more and more believers that are, that are engaging in, um, the mission of God and, um, just experiencing his grace in their life and, and, uh, and, and therefore then seeing them, uh, engage lostness and, and baptize new believers and, um, our vision that we God gave us when we came out here was to see 500 teams established in the next three years. And just a team is simply a a group of believers that have got a a vision for reaching lostness in their community and are willing to meet weekly for discipleship and, and willing to commit on a weekly basis to engage lostness with the gospel. And, um, we've seen up to this point, uh, we've got about confirmed about concerned about 50 teams. Um, from Northern California down to, down the San Diego area. And, um, it's, it's just a privilege to get to, to serve and, and see more and more people engaging on, uh, on the mission together in community. So, um, we're, <laughs> we're excited to learn from, from, uh, people and, and network like yours, brother. And, uh, just striving to be, yeah. to be faithful to Jesus out here, but we're excited about what he's doing. I just, I just feel like, uh, um, <laughs> the harvest is plentiful
0: it is and that's uh, that is not just uh, a hollow statement i mm-hmm. mean that's that's a statement of truth from jesus himself Amen. that the harvest is plentiful we have to we have to believe that i think oftentimes as christians in america in 2019 we can really subtly buy into this mm-hmm. this mindset that the harvest isn't plentiful mm-hmm. that that people don't really want to hear that they're not interested in spiritual things and it's just a lie. Jesus told us that the harvest is plentiful. It's the workers that are few. And it's, it's this particular type of worker. It's a worker who's willing and ready to go out into the harvest. Mm. And so maybe one reason why we don't experience the harvest as being, being plentiful is, is because we're not in the harvest mm. as, as often as we need to be, or we're not looking in the right places mm. um, to, to find people who are ready to respond. So, i That's so I love the the idea of no place left that um you know you guys are trying to go into these places that have not historically had representation a mm-hmm. voice for the gospel mm-hmm. and share this message of Jesus and help make disciples help form churches. so mm-hmm. I hope folks will uh definitely check you guys out at your website cooper's on a mission mm-hmm. was it dot com yes that's right cooper's on a mission dot com and we'll try to put that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. But definitely want to have you back on, and and we'll get even more into some of the nuts and bolts of sharing the gospel, making disciples, forming churches, um, because I think that's where a lot of people sometimes get stuck is in the details of how do I get started? How do I do that? That'll be great, brother. Yeah, love to. Absolutely love to. All right, Troy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, brother. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends, or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.